Welcome back to Life Beyond the Chariot, uh, just a series from the St. Philip Institute where we talk about living our faith within our family life. Uh, and this week is kind of a special edition series, uh, and we're continuing these conversations as part of uh, Natural Family Planning Awareness Week, NFP Week. Uh, and we have a special guest today. <laughs> Siva uh, has to let me interview her as part of this series, and I'm super excited uh, for Mickey to share her story and her journey with infertility and adoption. And thank you, Mickey, for, for being part of this. Oh, I'm so honored that you would ask. And I love to be able to share our story because we learn so much from it. And just knowing that it might inspire or help others who have, who are currently carrying that same cross. Um, you know, I just hope God works in that. But thanks for Absolutely. having me on. Absolutely. And Let's just start with prayer real quick as we sure. try to do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, good and gracious God, thank you for the gift of our faith. Thank you for the gift of family. Um, we ask that you bless this conversation. Bless all those who are discerning your will for their families, and in particular, for anyone who is struggling with infertility and just trying to figure out uh, where you are calling their family. Uh, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I know for a lot of us, when we think of NFP, uh, we think of like fertility awareness, or we think about like, well, NFP is the answer. Instead of using contraception, you should use NFP. Um, and I never really thought about the NFP being something that could help couples who struggle with infertility until in, in recent years, and I learned about things like NEPRO and, um, and things like that, and I, I know you'll, you'll share about that later, but like, let's just dive right into your story, <laughs> Mickey. Sure. If you wanna share kind of like what, what was your expectation, because like you and Matt, you're faithful Catholics, like you were, you were planning on following the church's teachings from the get-go, but what did you think family planning would look like before versus after your diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought I was going to be a Miss Fertile Turtle. I mean, you know, I thought, I don't know, I guess I just thought, well, we're married, then this is, we're Catholic, and we're very open to life, and we're excited to see what God does with our family. And so I just thought because we were following God's will and open to this amazing gift of life, I just thought it was going to happen right away. So I know when we first got married, we were practicing NFP because, I mean, we were fresh out of college, broke. <laughs> and so we had discern, you know, we were in that discerning process of when to, um, uh, when we could have that first child. So we were practicing NFP um, uh, because we thought our situation at the time, it was important for us to refrain from pregnancy just because it was a lot of new transitions at first, like with me working and Matt yeah. trying to find a job and that sort of thing. So, and it wasn't until, you know, cause every month we had that conversation and then we're like, well, we're just refraining mostly cause we're, we're fearful. Mm. And so we're like, let's just, let's just trust God. We know we just felt this thing to trust God. So I was confident that it was going to happen, that we were going to get pregnant and it didn't happen. And then it continued to not happen. 
And um, so after five years of, and we hadn't seen really any medical professionals up to that point. Um, I had talked to a few OBGYNs, um, just like when I had to go for my woman checkup, you know, your checkup, but we didn't think of, of it seriously. We're just like, well, um, you know, we don't really know what God is calling us to. We didn't really know what kind of options were out there. Uh, we knew what the church taught, but we didn't know how to pursue pregnancy still trying to stay in line with church teaching. So after five years of marriage, we uh, just said, you know what, our desire for children, like God may not want to fulfill that at all, or he may not want to fulfill that through a natural pregnancy, you know, um, that we might become parents through adoption. So we started adoption, like paperwork and getting our home study done. And then we also decided at the same time, well, let's just see if medically there's something that we can do. And so we kind of just pursued both avenues, uh, I guess, at the same time. And uh, I was told by two OBGYNs that if we were not willing to do um, IVF or artificial insemination, that really we had no chances mm -hmm. of being pregnant and so then they referred us to a fertility specialist and I'm like, okay, this person should know. Like I thought that this person would fix it. And basically he said, no, if you're not willing to do these artificial means, then your chances are very low and the expense was really high. Right. right. And we, we left it at that. And I'm like, that's the best advice <laughs> that you can give right. me. And I was diagnosed, so I'd gone through um, like these tests and I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. So that was the diagnosis I got. And the treatment was, well, either do IVF or artificial insemination or you just can't get pregnant. And we just don't know why. And I remember being a little frustrated because I'm like, there's got to be something else. Like it can't just be like, we don't know. So you either choose this option that violates your faith or you can't have the gift of children. Uh, and so we just kind of left that for a while. Um, but in, in the meantime of all of that stuff going on, we were, we were graced with the wonderful gift of our daughter, Mary, who uh, we got through adoption um, in a sort of miraculous way. And so we just kind of put the, the medical stuff on pause because we didn't really know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess... Can you share, like, what, what was that like? I mean, going from, okay, we're, we're, oh, I, and I love how you guys said, like, we're, we're having a monthly conversation, and we just want to trust, like, whatever God wants, and then to find out, like, this is not going to be as easy as we thought. Like, emotionally, what is, what is that like? Like, between the time that you, you got that diagnosis and finding peace with, okay, yes, let's, let's do, let's look into adoption. Was that a hard transition to make or just kind of like a natural, like, okay, well, let's just pursue this avenue instead. So we always knew even before we got married that we wanted to be parents. And so we knew that that was God's calling, like for us to raise children how those children came to us, um, we thought we would get pregnant right away, but when that didn't happen, 
the transition of thinking about adoption was not a difficult one for us because we're like, well, God has revealed his will to us and we want to be parents. And so we're just going to pursue this. And if something happens with adoption, great. If it doesn't, it's not on God's cards for us yet. We have mm-hmm. to just keep praying and discerning, but it was very, so, so making that decision was not hard. Mm-hmm. What was difficult is we desired something good right, to be parents, and it wasn't happening, and there's definitely an emotional roller coaster that you go through. It's heartbreaking, and so many of our friends were having children, Mm. and um, there was always, for me, like a sting of pain with their joy, Mm. Mm. Uh, because you see them, and uh, how happy they are, and this precious baby, and it's just something that I desired so much, and uh, once I started, like, going to, like, women's groups, most of them at that point were already moms in every, I don't know if this is your experience, Deanna, but almost every conversation when you're around a bunch of women who all have children, it is about pregnancy, about giving birth (laughs) or breastfeeding. Yes. Why is that? Why do we do that? I don't know. You know, that could be an episode in and of itself. We should. We should explore that. But yeah, I can see how that, that can be very... That could be very painful. Yeah. Any types of conversations that that are happening at women's groups. Yeah. And it was very isolating because I absolutely had nothing to offer. Yeah. To the conversation. I didn't understand what they were saying. And if I interjected something in there, it just seemed like weird or odd because I didn't have any lived experience. So it kind of felt like I was back in high school. Like I don't fit in. Mm. And there's this group that have this common experience and I want so badly to be able to participate in this conversation and I have nothing to bring to the table. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. And the other thing that you said, and like you, you had so three different doctors were telling you that if you didn't pursue IVF, uh, you would not be able to get pregnant. Right. And Mm -hmm. alert, like she got pregnant we'll go into (laughs) But just just for our audience, you know, so the problem with IVF, of course, being that it separates the unitive from the procreative aspect, that it can't just be about having children, like we do need that unitive aspect within the marital act. Um, and I just commend you and Matt so much because it it I can understand why some couples are just they just automatically go to, well, this is my only option. I want to be a parent. You see the good that children are, and they are such a gift. So why not pursue something like that? Uh, But you were able to connect with a fertility care doctor or a NAPRO doctor. So can you uh, share what, how you got there and what that is? Sure. So I didn't know much about NAPRO technology or NAPRO technology. And uh, it was so funny. We adopted two children. So our daughter, Mary, who's now 10, after we took her into our home, it was about a year later that we adopted our son, Lucas, and they're only four months apart. So we had two children under the age of two and, uh, and they were about the same age. And at that point I had decided to quit my teaching job to be a stay at home mom. Cause our son had special needs and I'm like, they're so young. I need to be at home. And right after I resigned from my job, like I ended the school year, my husband lost his job. Mm-hmm. So we ended up moving from Louisiana 
to about an hour and a half outside of Houston. And, and this is, this is what I think is part of God's crazy design. Cause I don't know if I would have found out about neighbor technology had we not moved. So when we moved, um, to just outside of Houston, we were sort of exploring this whole idea, um, after a few more years of trying to pursue another venue, um, of, of being parents again, whether it was through adoption or, you know, trying to see what was wrong. And we just thought there's gotta be something wrong. So let's pursue it. So I started talking to some of my church friends and I had quite a few who would drive an hour and a half to Houston to see a neighbor technology doctor uh, in a, in a practice called Caritas women's healthcare. And so I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try. So I did, I went, um, Dr. Catherine Cargis, she's phenomenal. Uh, her office is in Sugarland now, but they did all of these tests on me that the other people did not like they, um, my other, uh, physicians that I'd had before and the other specialists, they never tested my hormone levels. Um, they never tested me at certain times in my cycle. And so when I went to Dr. Cargis, I, she just sort of explained to me how this all works. And she said, this is, we're, and it's kind of intensive, I guess, because you have to have your blood drawn at different times in your cycle so they can see really what's going on. And she was like, there's a reason you're not getting pregnant. Like women's bodies are made to work a certain way. And if they're not working, we have to get to the root of the problem. And that's what I really admired is because with the other physicians, I felt like they're like, well, here's like a band-aid. You want a child, here's what we can do to get your child, but we're not going to solve the underlining problem. And so, but with NAPRO technology, they did. It's a whole women care. Like, how can we get to the, not just treat your symptoms, but actually get to the root of what is causing your infertility uh, or whatever woman issue that you're having. And so uh, I had gone and um, had surgery. So I had endometriosis. So they removed endometriosis. Uh, I had very low hormone levels. So I was put on um, hormone levels to get me to the level that I needed to be. So I had surgery in July of 2014, I think. And we got pregnant in October. Oh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, it was a tough, I mean, it's a tough yeah. road. You have to chart. Um, you have to get your blood drawn. Mm -hmm. Um, but our bodies, and I learned so much about how a woman's body works and it was fascinating. And, uh, yeah. So for us, it was once we decided we're going to pursue this. And I told my doctor, I said, I want to be as aggressive as possible for a year. Cause emotionally I knew I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Cause yeah. when you're, when you are tracking, like you have to track basically every time you go to the bathroom, you have to track yeah. stuff yeah. on your chart. And so it's almost as if multiple times a day I was reminded mm. of what I considered a deficiency. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's really hard to keep trying that. And every month when you get your period, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that for an extended period of time. That was too hard. Yeah. So I said, let's figure this out. She's like, well, let's have, sur so she gave me a great plan. Let's have surgery, see what's going on. We know your hormone levels are low. So let's just see and work from there. 
and God graced us with our, our son, Samuel, who's now five. Yes. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. And what I love about the, the, the Creighton method, the fertility care method, I know we're going to talk to Dr. Cami Joe Tice Haroff as part of the series as well, um, who is familiar with NAPRO technology and things like that, is that NFP is not just like postpone or achieve pregnancy even, it's, it's whole women's health. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were looking at like, okay, the goal is not just to get you pregnant, which seems to be what IVF does. Like we just want to get you pregnant. But with fertility care, with NAPRO technology, it's we want to find out what's going on so we can help, um, that we can correct whether that's a hormone issue, endometriosis, like you were saying. So I just, I really love how it looks at the whole person and not just like we're looking at how do we get you pregnant as quickly as possible or as successfully as possible. There's something going on there. So I just, I, I really love that. And yeah, I, that's something that we hope to continue developing, you know, for our diocese so that people can, can have better access to that. Because every woman, one, every woman has the right to know how her body works, but also every woman should have access to healthcare like that, that, that you're looking at the whole, whole person. So, um, so through this whole journey of, um, of pursuing pregnancy, but also, you know, getting this diagnosis and, um, being able to to conceive uh, and going through the adoption too, I'm sure you you just experience multiple um, reactions or I don't know we've we've had conversations about this. Sometimes people don't know what to say when they find out that either you don't have kids and you've been married for a certain amount of time because people are nosy. <laughs> we just can't help ourselves right that we that we want to know like when are you having babies or why aren't you having babies it's kind of weird but can you can you walk through some of that like what was helpful what was not helpful during that whole time so what was not helpful was when people would ask you know when are you guys gonna have your first kid and what do you say uh, we're trying it just hasn't happened <laughs> right? right I mean any response is awkward when people ask that question so I really encourage people don't ask don't ask um, and one of the other things is um, I know we are sort of like in a fixer culture meaning if we have a friend or someone that we love who's experienced a problem we immediately want to fix it but sometimes our solutions just well, I'm just going to say it. They just sound idiotic, right? Or not well thought out. And so some people are like, oh, it's because you're trying too hard. So just take, and it's probably stressing you out. Just take a break, go on a really nice, like weekend getaway and just relax and it'll probably happen. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that was so problematic is I already felt deficient. I mean, I knew, I knew we couldn't get pregnant because of my hormone levels and everything. And it was already heartbreaking feeling like I couldn't give my husband one of the greatest gifts ever, which is a child. And that was hard because he suffered too, right? I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of pain involved there with the dads as well. And so when someone's like, oh, well, just relax, then it, it almost as if it added extra pressure on me, like, oh, well, I feel doubly blamed because like, yeah. now my body's not working, but people are, I know they're not trying to say this, but like, oh, if you just wouldn't stress out or don't try too hard. Um, that was really difficult. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people know what to say and you don't, yeah. you don't have to say anything. 
you know? And what I found the most helpful was when basically people gave, gave me valuable information in my hands that I could then pursue. So the best help that I got was just people saying, uh, well, tell me what that's like for you. And if I said, oh, it's really hard. And they're like, I'll pray for you. Mm. That in and of itself was yeah. so great. Just knowing that they're going to pray, going to the source of the God who is the ultimate one that um, he asked parents to co-create. Like we cannot, there's no creation of a being without God's knowledge. Mm -hmm. will. And so, so just knowing that we had people praying for us, that was so beneficial. But also people like, hey, I've heard, I've heard of this practice. It doesn't violate any Catholic teaching. Um, here's the name and the number. And I just want to give it to you. And that was it. And that was so great because then I felt the freedom to be able to explore that. And so that was really helpful. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I felt like, especially in marriage formation, uh, we spend a lot of time, it seems like, uh, we, because it's such an issue like contraception and talking about well, you know, NFP is a way to practice responsible parenthood um, and just talking about the benefits of, of NFP as fertility awareness, as a way to remain united in that unitive and procreative aspect of marriage without violating church teaching and all of that and just that call to openness to life and how it's reflective of our vows in, in marriage. But I don't feel like we, we talk about um, the cross of infertility. And I know a lot of couples don't realize that, that that's a possibility. Um, but do you think that there are, or, or what ways do you think the church can continue to be better at having those conversations, whether it's in, in marriage formation before the wedding or even in just the support that we offer to couples who may just be discovering that, that this may be a cross that, that they're called to carry. Yeah. First I would, I would encourage anyone, priests included, priest, marriage formation leaders to really become uh, educated in NAPRO technology and fertility care. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of times, and you may have more experience with this than I do, but as far as, as, like family ministry and you've done a great job Deanna because you know what's up with NFP like all things NFP but there were very few resources on how to tackle infertility or how to address infertility and there was never anything really in a church bulletin or from the pulpit of just a call to hey if you're a couple who are experiencing fertility call our office or here's a night set up for you to just give you information. And yeah. so I didn't even know where to go. Yeah. So the first place that I went was to non-faithful by, by non-faithful. I mean like not Catholic, right. Right. Um, just the secular medical field. Yeah. Cause you would expect that they could give you those types of answers. Right. And their answers were something that would violate my faith. And so I didn't feel like the first place that I could go was my church because there was really nothing on it. Yeah. Um, and like even things of like for like Mother's Day, of sometimes the priest would say an extra blessing over mothers. But it would have been really nice to include like, and I don't know if this is where you include it, but just something to let them know like, like those who want to be a part of that 
but it's not possible. Just that invitation. I think that's it. An invitation from the priest, from parish leaders to, um, to extend that invitation. Cause it's not, I mean, I'm not going to walk around with a shirt that says I'm infertile, you know? Right. Right. Uh, It's not something that's easy to bring up because not a lot of people know how to respond to that. And so it almost seems like a cross that you have to bury with or like carry with your spouse. Right. And and your family may know um, and have been praying with you. But as far as guidance from the church, I think in recent years with sort of the explosion um, of NAPRA technology um, and the Pope Paul VI Institute in Nebraska, if you don't know what that is and you're struggling with infertility, go there and look at it. And maybe we can put some links somewhere, Deanna. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, that's where I would start is that um, anyone involved in ministry and, and priest to just be aware mm-hmm. and try to find a way to an extend an invitation to those who um, are suffering uh, in some way, you know, but you got to yeah. be educated first. Um, Absolutely. And then just offering the information. Here's where you can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we didn't really know that. We just didn't really know where we could go. Right, right. No, that's so helpful. And I know you and I have talked about uh, that as a church, we also have to like check our heart or watch our attitudes when we look at Catholic families. I think when you look at the Tyler area, there's, there are several larger Catholic families. And I've, I've talked to some women um, with, you know, one or two children or just a, a smaller family and they're like, you know, there, sometimes there can be this pressure or this assumption that big family equals good, small family equals not as good. And that, that couldn't be further from the truth, right? That, that that's not, and I always tell couples this, like the church is never going to tell you like, all right, you got to have three kids to meet the, the minimum to be a good Catholic family. But sometimes we can be even, I, maybe unknowingly so, Um, we can maybe even just cast judgment when we look at families because we don't know their situation, but we're like, oh, they only have two kids (laughs) or they still don't have kids. Mm, It's none of our business, one, (laughs) but we, yeah, we do have to be very careful not to, not to just assume like big equals good. Big is good. It's great. It's wonderful. So is small. (laughs) That's great too. And so are the couples that are, that struggle with infertility. Um, I, I remember early on when uh, I started doing marriage preparation back in Dodge City that I realized that we had been talking so much about like the fruitful aspect of marriage and, and really only talking about it in terms of like having children, like being fruitful means openness to life and having children and just being open to however many children God, God wants to send you. And there was one class that I gave where I noticed one of the, the women started crying and did I say? And it wasn't until later that I realized she was struggling with infertility. And what sounded like the church was saying was in order to be a holy couple, you must have children. But that fruitful aspect can take, it looks, it can look different for, for different couples, whether it's adoption or even just spiritual motherhood and fatherhood, like the way that God calls us to live that out as married couples can look different, but we have to be careful as a church in how we, how we talk about that, like proclaim the beauty and the, the teachings of the church, but make sure we're, 
we're encompassing all of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It absolutely makes perfect sense. Because I do think maybe a majority of the people who are sort of entering um, that stage in their life where they're getting married and discerning children, I do think a bigger population is like, oh, like refrain for some reason. Does that make sense? Right, right. Um, but there is to not forget that there is this other section that may feel like, like they don't have any help or uh, resources. So even just like resources to have um, yeah. in your parish, yeah. you know, but yeah. And it was, and to, to any couple out there who is struggling with infertility, um, I just want you to know, if you ever want to send me an email, you're more than welcome to do that. Cause I know what it's like to be there. And like, we're still, so we went through all of the things um, and we're able to have Samuel, but we haven't had a child since. Um, I mean, it was kind of an intense process and just the course that our life has taken. And so now there's like a new, I don't want to say I've accepted sort of my state, you know, but when I see my children holding babies of our friends, I mean, there's a, there's a huge part of me is like, man, I love them to have a little sibling. Cause there's something that young children bring out in their older siblings. There's, and this bond. And of course they'll fight like crazy later, <laughs> but there's something very beautiful about that. And my heart does still ache for that, you know? Um, and I don't know if that pain ever really goes away. Uh, but for any couple out there who is struggling, I just want you to know that there are resources out there and, um, to not be afraid to reach out. And this is your invitation to reach out to the Institute and we can uh, do our best to point you in directions. Um, but also to really, uh, and I just want to say this something real quickly about adoption is I don't ever want people to think that adoption is like an afterthought. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I couldn't get the first best. So I guess this is the second best mm -hmm. option to be a parent. Um, Cause I know plenty of people like there's one, beautiful family had five children and then were graced with two more after adoption and then they had another and so um to never sort of be in the mindset that like oh well i can have children so i'm not called to adopt Ooh, yeah does that make sense because yeah, it, it does it does leave um space for like oh well because i can function basically properly god's mm. not calling me to this other thing yeah. Um, I'm not saying adoption is for everybody, but I definitely would never say I'm closed off to it because we don't know, we don't know what course our life is going to take. Yeah. And, and so, um, so yeah, I would, I would just encourage people to not see adoption that way because yeah. I don't see my children that way. Right. right. God brought them to me in different ways to be their mom. Mm. Uh, and all of those ways were beautiful and divinely orchestrated in very yeah. beautiful ways. So I just encourage people to never talk about adoption as like an afterthought. Well, I guess plan A didn't work. So I guess we'll consider plan B Yeah. and to just be, to just be mindful of those things, mm. uh, because it is beautiful and however God calls us to be parents. And I think that we should be open. Like, how is God calling me and my family to open up our home to life? Mm. And that could be, um, having natural born children. It could mean adoption. It could mean opening up your home to, um, to the youth group or to a small group study or to serving another family in need. I mean, I think that we should always 
be discerning like God's will, like, Lord, if there's an opportunity, like help me to not be so focused on my plan that I'm not looking. I just want to be open. How do you want me to serve? And that can, I mean, that can be anything. Yeah. Um, Ah, that's so beautiful, Mickey. And I wrote it down, open our home to life. Like that, that is what our domestic churches are called to do. And that does take, it can look so many different ways. You know, it it can be, you know, having children, but it it can be, it, it can be adoption. It can be having natural born children. It can be just opening your home to community or, and I'm thinking of like the spiritual and mother and spiritual motherhood and fatherhood. Like that's just such a beautiful image that as, as married couples or just as, as families, regardless of how it, how it looks that we're called to be places that are open to life, that, that is, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. There's a moment, quick story. There's a moment when my husband was working in Dallas, like two days a week and I was basically a single mom for two days every week for months. And that was really hard. And there was this couple who's to open their house to my family and we would go over, we would go swimming, they would feed us and, and they were opening up their home to life. And that was so helpful to me. And I needed that I needed that break and my kids needed just, they missed their dad. Mm -hmm. And so this was just a way to just, um, sort of breathe, breathe some joy and some peace into our family. And the fact that these people were open to life in their home, Mm -hmm. it was just beautiful. So there, there's a variety of ways to do that. And so to always be discerning and asking God, Lord, help me to not be closed off and just Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Like, I feel like I need to sit with that in prayer a little bit because that's just that I, I, I tend to be one that, that is very comfortable with like, oh, it's just us and our little home, but to really discern, like, how is God calling us to be open to life, whether that's family planning or just in our witness in, in the community. So thank you for sharing that. One final question. Um, I know that there are couples that are struggling struggling with infertility, but they're also struggling with the church's teaching and they don't understand why would I not pursue IVF if that's what my doctors are telling me to do and um, that seems to be the, the best route to go. And, and maybe, you know, they will we'll provide information about NAPRO and we're gonna have a conversation with Dr. Kami Joe as part of this series too, but for anyone who's struggling with church teaching, period, whether that's contraception or IVF, um, and I think particularly with IVF, because why would you not want to pursue any means to to conceive a child? Because children are a gift. Um, what encouragement or, or what would you, uh, yeah, what would you say to, to a couple who's just in that spot where it's like, I don't want to pursue anything else. I want to, I want to look at IVF as an option right now. First, I'd like to say that your desire for a child is good and divinely implanted in your heart. So there's nothing wrong with your desire. Uh, God does, though, create systems and processes, and that's the way that God is. He creates things, and and then he creates um, purposes for things. And so marriage is a beautiful sacrament that God created, and um, reserving the act of, of sex for that. For the true purpose of being um, united with your spouse so deeply on a way that is um, powerful in body, mind, and soul, and then being open to life. And I think 
and 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 to to on purpose separate those breaks God's plan. And any time that we deviate from God's plan, even if it's for a perceived good or an actual good, mm-hmm. that um, God's never going to ask us to do that because He knows it's not going to bring us ultimate fulfillment. Um, ultimate fulfillment um, or fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And we may not ever fully understand that on earth, but I think it boils down to trust. Mm-hmm. And this goes for fertile couples, infertile couples, right? Am I going to trust God with my fertility? And, um, and so I would just say like, there's, there's the beauty of the church's teaching is that the creation of human life, comes from a direct act of ultimate love between husband and wife. Does that make sense? And so any child that is going to be created, God's plan is that it came out of a perfect union between man, between husband and wife. And that's beautiful. That teaching is beautiful. Is it hard to live? Yes. Yes. But that's the way that God designed it. And even when it is painful and heartbreaking, know that God looks on your faithfulness and he loves you. Like he is so good. And, and we may not ever get the answer as to why what we want and what is good isn't happening in our lives. But I will tell you that through all of those, our ability to cling to God and to trust him can be intensified if we allow it to. So. Oh, thank you so much, Mickey. And I, I really think that this will, your witness will bless a lot of, a lot of couples, whether they're struggling with infertility or not. I think just knowing that there are, are folks who have, have opened their homes to life that have uh, trusted God and just seeing the fruit of that. I think your family is a, a really beautiful witness of that. So thank you so much just for your willingness to share your story and your family. Ah, y'all are awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me on. I think they're awesome. I like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is part of our, our NFP week series in Life Beyond the Chariot. And we will have Dr. Cami Joe uh, as part of the series, kind of talking a little bit more about what Mickey has shared uh, just that fertility care and um, what that method uh, and connected with NAPRO technology, how that can help couples uh, who are struggling with infertility. Uh, and our diocese, fertility care and NFP resources are something that we're really trying to develop because we see how, uh, how beneficial they are, not just for postponing or achieving um, but for just overall women's health, that this is something that every woman should have access to in any language. <laughs> so we are, are really focused on that. So we ask for your prayers um, in that regard, that, that God will continue to provide those resources, especially in our diocese where we have a lot of Catholic physicians, and it would be really cool to, to have those types of uh, resources available um, for, for all couples in our diocese. Um, but if you go to our website, stphilipinstitute.org, and you go to the Family Life page in particular, on that NFP resource page, there are just a listing of the different methods that are available, whether that's live sessions or uh, 
virtually or self-paced, that sort of a thing in different, uh, different languages. Um, so check those out. And uh, if you want to support the mission of the Institute, there is a donate button there too, but primarily your prayers are very powerful. So again, Mickey, thank you so much for being part of this series. You're a joy and a blessing, and I'm excited to see uh, what fruit comes from uh, this conversation. Uh, ditto to you. You're awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, God bless. You too. Bye-bye.